This episode is brought to you by KX Pilates Cottesloe. From beginner to advanced, their modern studio has classes to suit you and your goals. It's Left of Field with Danny Kavanagh. And we're back. Did you miss me? Uh, I bet you did. It's been a long week without a Left of Field episode, but I am back again. And today I'm going to be joined by a passionate, polarizing figure in the A-League. That's right, Tony Sage. You would have heard his name a lot. He is the owner of the Perth Glory. He's a big mining magnet, but... Tony is known for being someone who will never shy away from giving his opinion, and he does that in this episode. So I hope you enjoyed the chat. Tony Sage, welcome to the Left of Field podcast. How are you going today? Not too bad, not too bad. People in Perth and Australia would have heard your name. You own the A-League club Perth Glory, but you do a lot more than that. Could you give us a bit of a rundown on what your other businesses are? Let's get started there because you're you're into mining. Yeah, yeah, look, uh, mainly exploration. Mining is a little bit more uh, difficult and boring, I find. I think it's more exciting finding the minerals. That's where you get most of the joy uh, and most of the the wealth, actually, because um, you find something that's a bit of dirt in the ground and if you find gold, whatever mineral that you're looking for, it's a big jump in share prices and that. So it's an exciting part of the industry. been in different types. I've done coal, I've done uh, uranium, I've done iron ore, I've done gold, I've done diamonds. So it's uh, it's exciting and not just in uh, in Australia. I've been in five countries in Africa, uh, Sierra Leone, one of the most difficult, but I've been to the Congo, I've been to Ghana, I've been to Cote d'Ivoire, I've been to Burkina Faso and in South America I've been to Chile, Peru, Brazil, Argentina. In Europe right now, we've got a uh, an operating mine in Austria, but I've also dealt in Russia and Ukraine and Romania. So uh, yeah, been exciting industry and minerals are everywhere in the world. So uh, it's a good place, good space to be in. Yeah, and it shows where you've got your business mindset from. So then, how does someone in the exploration industry end up owning an A League club, a football club here in Perth? Well, I'm, I'm not a true blue West Australian. I was born in uh, England to an Italian mother. So for the first 10 years of my life, I lived eight months in England and four months in Italy. And all my whole youth there, I played uh, football. My dad was one of those 10-pound poms, and then we moved out to uh, Australia. I learned to adapt. I mean, in the end, everything's about uh, adapting. So I moved we moved to Adelaide first, uh, then Melbourne, then Sydney, then New Zealand, then Perth. So I think by the time I was 18, I went to nine different schools. So it was a very interrupted childhood. But, you know, you learn to adapt. I mean, I've had to do two or three different languages, uh, accents. I mean, being a pom in Adelaide uh, when I was uh, 10, 11 uh, wasn't the right thing. So I quickly got an Aussie accent. Then we moved when I was 14 to New Zealand. And Kiwis, Aussies in, in Kiwi land weren't the most popular, so I learned to have a Kiwi accent. And I came back to Australia, got back my Australian accent. So I've lost my Italian twang and British accent. But yeah, so yeah, you just learn to adapt. And I think it's exactly the same principles you do in business, whether you're looking for diamonds or whether you're looking for gold or whether you're looking for iron ore. Different, each mineral's different, but you just learn to adapt. And I think that's the key word for, for my life, just adapting. What drew you to becoming the sole owner then of the Perth Glory? 
Well, I was a fan. I mean, I was uh, at all the grand finals. I went to a lot of the games uh, with my relatives that are out here. I married a Portuguese lady and her whole family, hundreds of them, were mad keen glory fans. So I just started going along as a fan. And then in 1996, I did a business deal with Frank Lowy in property. I was in property back then. And about nine years later, he rang me up and said, look, we're looking for an owner of Perth Glory. I know you when we were doing our property deal, you were passionate about football. And that's how it started. And I found two partners that wanted to be involved and they left very quickly once you realise you don't make money in football. So I became the sole owner in, what, 2009. Yeah, you mentioned that it's known that you don't make a lot of money in football. You've invested over $30 million into the club over the decade that you've been there. And you recently, it's no secret, you've tried to get other investors into the club and you flirted the idea to merge with a London cryptocurrency company. Can you explain that process to us? Yeah, well, look, it is an expensive exercise and um, the mining industry is very fickle. For four or five years there, there was very little interest in mining. It's booming at the moment because of what's happening around the world. But yeah, it's just ups and downs. So there was no income. So When there's no income, I mean, it comes out of my salary, basically, the salary of all the players and the staff, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, I needed a partner and I went to London on my normal business trips and was introduced to this person who ended up not being the person I thought I was dealing with. But anyway, that got curtailed, but that didn't stop me uh, looking for other partners since then and before then. I mean, in the end, you look at the other owners. The Sydney team is owned by a Russian who's a billionaire. There's Western Sydney billionaires. The Bakri Group in Brisbane, billionaires. The richest man in the world probably uh, is the Sheik of Abu Dhabi who owns Manchester City, who owns Melbourne City. So the amount of money that's going to be pouring into football, me as the only Australian single owner, you know, I don't want Perth Glory to come last every single year. And I think we've done well. We're the only A-League team that hasn't won a wooden spoon. So that's been very, very good. Even the top clubs of, of uh, like Melbourne Victory, Sydney have all had the wooden spoon. We haven't. And that's because of the amount of money I've poured into the sport. But I just can't keep on doing it when all these other clubs now have got very, very wealthy owners. Yeah, I can see how you would have been enticed by this new era of cryptocurrency and all the possibilities that could have come about that to create capital for well, the club. Well, they were going to pay me half in Bitcoin, 15 million in Bitcoin, and that 15 million would be probably worth, <laughs> I haven't worked it out because it'll make me sad, about 70 or 80 million in today's Bitcoin market. So yeah, look, they had the right idea. It's a fantastic idea. It will happen. It's just that the individual who I met um, wasn't the person that he said he was and uh, that got exposed and he could no longer be a director because he spent time in jail, which uh, I had no idea about. But the process that we went through, there there was money there. They had the Bitcoin to pay us. But in the end, it fell through because of that uh, one reason. So what other partners and investors are out there right now that might be able to help facilitate and help the club in the future? Well, Manchester United are looking buying Central Coast, right? So there are clubs in Europe that want to expand their brand, if you like, like Manchester City did with Melbourne City, or just get the best talent they can from Australia. So why not buy a club rather than buy the player? You can own a whole club. So, for example, if someone wants to take one of our young stars 
we would sell them to them, right? It might cost, say he's a fantastic player, it might cost $5, $10 million like they do in, in Brazil and Argentina, a 16, 15, 16-year-old. 16 but some clubs still say, well, Manchester City were smarter. They said, well, why don't we set up a club in Australia, we'll buy a club, and then we've got access to two or 300 kids that go through the academy. We've got 220 kids in our academy. So that's one aspect if a club wants to do it. Now, it's not only a Premier League club. Uh, I've had talks to Spanish clubs and German clubs as well. And then there are other people that just want to have a brand, for example. The guy that owns Newcastle, a Chinese guy, wanted to get his brand recognised around the world. So he bought a club to, to do it that way. So there's many different types of people that want to own clubs. The ones I have been talking to over the years... It just haven't gelled with them, really. In the end, I just want someone that's passionate football rather than having a business angle to it. So another club would be a perfect partner. And uh, I think uh, over the next four or five years, a lot of the Australian clubs will be partnering with bigger clubs in Europe uh, or Asia. Yeah, that's exciting. You're known for being one of the most vocal and open owners, and I think that's earned you respect within the football community. So... Give us an honest view here. Where do you see the A-League at the moment? Oh, look, it's at its lowest ebb in, uh, in the last five or six years. I mean, there's, uh, that's why the owners, have, and I led the charge about seven years ago to, to, to get rid of the FFA out of our lives. And because in the end, their, their charter is grassroots, and which it should be, and the national teams, right? And, you know, different to what ours is. Ours is to provide entertainment for clubs and professional football. So it's two different levels of the game and in 1992 uh, successfully when everyone said the world would end the, the EPL split from the English FA and it's now the most powerful league in the world and the richest right so we've had a seven year battle to get rid of the FFA uh, first of all was Frank Lowy then his son Stephen and now we've got independence even though they own 20% of the league uh, the club owners own the other 80% and from the 1st of July, you'll see quite a few changes. And because we will own the league, we will run the league. Uh, we will run it and have all of the income. Over the years, say the, just use a number, say 100 million was the TV rights, we would only get 40 million of that. 60 million was siphoned off for other things. Now we'll get 80 of the 100, so we can spend it. I don't think you would have seen one advert in four or five years on Perth Glory playing another team in Perth whether it's in the newspaper or on TV. Huh? It just hasn't happened. They have not promoted the sport. And that's why I gave the previous CEO very low marking when I was asked on national radio what I thought of his tenure as the CEO of the FFA. But the future is very bright. We will own it. Plenty of money these owners want to push into the league and promote it. Uh, there'll be different TV coverage. There'll be different promotional coverage and marketing of the league are completely different than what it has been over the last five years. The first two or three years of the competition were fantastic, but you know, the last five years it's just gone down and down and down, and that was because the FFA had their view on other things other than professional football, which is the A-League and the W-League. What do you think the direction for the next broadcast deal should be then? Well, I always maintain it should be directly free-to-air, but that's never going to happen again. The free-to-air channels uh, just can't afford the numbers now. That's why 
Channel 7 hasn't got all the AFL games anymore and that's why Channel 9 hasn't got all the NRL games anymore. So there's going to be a hybrid. There's more young people, and this has probably put you in this category as well, would rather watch a six-minute mini of an AFL game, an NRL game or an A-League game rather than sit down and watch the whole game. So the whole entertainment business being turned on its head, people like Netflix, Stan, Disney, etc., Amazon, all want to get sport content now on their platforms. So you would have seen the EPL went to uh, Optus over the last two or three years. Now that's been taken away from Optus. Another bidder came out, a streaming service. Dan just recently got the rugby, Australian rugby rights. So free-to-air and things like that, the best way to promote your product because it's free. But right now, that's not where most of the money is. Uh, unfortunately, I won't get my way and put it on exclusively on a free-to-air channel where they can promote it, but it will go probably to a Fox-type or streaming-type service. In the end, it's where most of the money comes. But when you get more money, you get more promotion of the league and the players get paid more, right? So you no use being narrow-minded and saying, well, we'll take $10 million off Channel 7 when a streaming channel will pay you $40 million, for example. Okay, so it is a business in the end and you've got to maintain the player salaries. Otherwise, they'll just all go overseas and you won't have any quality in our league. So you've got to be a realist, although I would prefer it all to go on a free-to-air channel and get the promotion. It won't happen the way sports broadcasting and entertainment broadcasting is going right now. KX Pilates in Cottesloe has officially opened and if you're a big Pilates fan like me, this would be music to your ears. Now, KX Pilates has been around for a while and the team at Cottesloe is ready to help you experience a revolutionary, fast-paced, high-intensity body-toning workout in just 50 minutes. Their motto, workout smarter, not longer. Now, I've tried the classes here. They have some really great teachers who really give you quite the workout and you were left a big sweating mess. They have brand new beds there that I actually haven't seen in any other studio and they're really cool. So if you want to give KX a go, why not use the code LEFTERFIELD and become part of the KX family? I promise you, you won't regret it. It is an amazing workout for all levels, whether you have never tried Pilates before or you are a bit of a Pilates freak. I hope to see you in some classes soon. So let's talk about the glory at the moment. You've you know got a new coach, young coach. How is the club going? Look, it's going poorly. I mean, we're not happy. The coach isn't happy. Uh, the CEO's not happy. I'm not happy. The fans aren't happy. We've got a very good squad on paper. But there are reasons for that. And the coach doesn't want to say it. He doesn't want to give excuses. But we've been playing 140 days now this season. 80 of those days, our team has been traveling or in quarantine. No other team had to quarantine 28 days. Right? No training for 28 days in a, in a season. Now, you can imagine what will happen if an AFL team had to endure that. The rest of it is travel. We've gone on four road trips now and playing two or three games on the road. And not only does it not give you a lot of training time so you can practice on, on the park, but also create injuries. Castro's missed three. Sebastian Landkamp, our German star, Backman, has only played two and a half games because of injury. Then we had Economides out for 14 months. That wasn't due to COVID, but you've had niggling injuries to Diagostino as well. He's been out. So it, it creates this problem that you're trying to manage your players 
which is very, very difficult when they can't train on the park together when they've been in quarantine. So, okay, the coach won't use an excuse. I can, and I see it, and that's why I, I think the coach has done a great job. When the f- season first started, we've got an A-league record. We've got 18 goals in six games. Never happened before. We were going along very, very well. Then all of a sudden, all these injuries hit. We had to quarantine when we came back from Melbourne. That delayed gelling on the park. So, yeah, so we, we've had we've got a lot of real excuses But coming up, we've got seven home games, and I hope the fans get behind us. We had a fantastic crowd the other night. Dominated the game. We still lost, but we dominated the game. But we've got seven home games in a row. That's 21 points we can catch up and still make the finals quite easily. So I just urge all the fans out there that love football, come along. The players need you. The bigger the crowd, the better they play. That's right. Now with capacity, we can have, you know, all your members get back out there. So what does the future look like then for Perth Glory? Well, the future is bright for the league. The future for Perth Glory is it will be bright if I can find a partner. If not, it will be difficult to, to run a team in the new league over the next couple of years against, as I said, very, very, very wealthy clubs that are over east with wealthy owners. So, yeah, it's going to be a very, very good league and I'm going to do my best to, to find someone that will be able to bear the financial burden and COVID has really exposed that. I think we did the numbers the other day. This time last year we had 11,000 members and now we've got five. Just to give you an idea, there's 6,000 difference times $400 is $2.4 million deficit just on COVID for getting everything else. And because of the capacity restriction, we lost another million on gate taking. So that's $3.4 million extra revenue didn't come in, but the expenses are still there. I've still got to pay the players. I've still got to pay the rent on the stadium. I've still got to pay staff. So the, the expenses stayed the same, but our income this year has dropped another $3.4 million just because of COVID. So it is difficult, very, very difficult owning a professional sporting team. Do you hope that you can continue to do it for a long time then? That's the hope. You just don't know what's going to happen in the future, but that's the hope. And is football looking like a strong game in Australia at the moment? Is the interest there? Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, 2.2 million registered players. Just go football codes, forget netball and all that for now. The next highest is AFL with 680,000. Then you've got Rugby League with 440,000. And then you've got Rugby Union of about 107,000. This is registered players, men and women. So we three times the AFL in registered players. So it is fantastic for the future. And every immigrant that comes into the country is about 200,000 a year. 90% follow football. No one's ever heard really of AFL. (laughs) It's either football, rugby or rugby league. uh, If it's a football sport, right? That's 90%. So in in 10 years, that's 2 million extra people. That's 1.7 million extra followers of football. So it's got a very, very strong future. The owners are very, very committed to making it. We, we don't think we'll dominate uh, AFL ever or NRL, but we get up there and, and be the third dominant football force in the country. You are always someone who's interested in innovating the, the game and the league in this country. What do you think of the new Super League that obviously all the EPL clubs have now pulled out of? But what was your thoughts on that? Oh, just a, it, it was a it was a cash grab by those clubs and individuals that own those clubs, and they they certainly felt the backlash. But look, then it does need to be reform, and this is one way that they may have pushed a bit of reform through to UEFA and FIFA. 
you can't just dictate. You know, you, you've got a squad of players. It's just like us. If if someone comes and, and takes over us and say, right, Tony, your team's got to go to Singapore, then Hong Kong, then Sydney, and that, and play five games in a week, it's just not feasible, right? And I think those clubs. One, it was a cash grab and that should run. But one, the other part of it was just give us a break. You know, our players need and we want to put the best team on the park for our fans and we can't because there's too many games. And so there was a, a toing and throwing on each side. But what I do see is common sense has prevailed with those club owners. I don't know what's going to happen to the European clubs. I think they'll have to fold as well. They can't have it without the EPL. But um, and, and the way they did it, I mean, not including any Portuguese teams, there's two fantastic teams there that should have been involved anyway. And what you just think about the, the teams in Italy, there's Napoli, there's um, Roma, there's Lazio, that are big clubs that just wouldn't get a look in. So, yeah, what, what, what they've done was just selfish and, and greedy. But I do see a point that they were making that UEFA, etc., make their lives a bit difficult by demanding that they play these extra games. So a bit of common sense should have prevailed and they should have probably negotiated it. But for this country, look, what I don't like and what I see is necessary is timekeeping. I mean, I hate it when a player goes down just to waste time, and that's one thing I'm really bugbear on. And the extra time, I mean, why have extra time when you can just stop the clock when there's an injury, right? like they do in rugby league and in the AFL? Just stop the clock, and then there'll be none of this people, none of this diving, none of well, still be diving, but there'll be none of this uh, faking injuries or feigning injuries. That's one thing that all of my mates who love AFL and rugby keep on telling me. They don't like football because of that reason. So that's one thing I'd bring in almost immediately is to stop that happening, is just stop the clock and they can't do it because the time will just keep being added on. So that's one thing that I would uh, definitely change. Yeah, I know. I agree with you that it speed up the game and, you know, get a lot more people interested and keep it a lot more honest. I do like yeah. to- I do like to ask all my guests on this show a motto then that you like to live life by. Being a successful person you are yourself, is there any words that have helped you kind of get to where you are today? I always go by be who you are, say what you feel, because those that matter don't mind and those that mind do not matter. Ooh, lovely. You've summed that up very nicely. Well, thank you so much for giving up your time today, Tony. Exciting things ahead for the A-League, I think, and hopefully Perth Glory have a strong future. But good luck out there. No worries. We will have a strong future. Whether it's with me at the helm or not, Perth Glory will survive. Big thanks to Tony for that chat. I learned a lot and I hope you did too. And thank you for tuning in to the, another episode of the Left of Field podcast. Why not take a photo of this and share it on your socials or tell a friend or family member to listen that I have plenty of episodes chatting to all different people in the Australian sporting landscape. So head on back, listen to an episode and let me know what you think. But I'll be back again next week. So goodbye, everyone.